Welcome to Palm Vista as we continue our series in the Psalms. And this series is entitled Worship in Technicolor. And the reason we entitled that is because it's worship in every aspect of life in Technicolor, in the good days and the bad days and the happy days and the sad days. Truly the Bible, God gives us the grace. He gives us the instruction on how to worship him no matter how you're feeling right now. No matter where you're at right now in your finances, speaking of finances, God gives you the grace to worship him wherever you're at in your business, in your marriage, with your children, in your relationships, with your roommate, at work. Here are the instructions to be able to worship God in Technicolor. The title of the message this morning is Repentance and Forgiveness. Repentance and Forgiveness. And we're going to be looking at These two topics that are held together in Scripture very, very closely, repentance and forgiveness from Psalm 51 and Psalm 103. Psalm 51 and Psalm 103. Do you repent on a regular basis? What do I I mean by repentance? Do you agree with God about your sin when he reveals it to you? And cry out to him for mercy so that you might change and begin to actually walk in biblical change. So I've just defined for you repentance. Is that something you do every day? Is it odd that I would ask you that? Some of us grew up in a tradition where we went to a certain place and spoke to a certain person, right? And then did certain things after that once a week once a month some of you rascals did it once a year because your abuelita made you go is that what i'm talking about no what 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 i'm talking about what the bible is talking about is truly agreeing with god about what he says concerning us and then believing him about what he says concerning christ so, so let me read a quote to you from one of our, uh, the heroes of our faith, uh, a reformer, a man named John Calvin, wrote the following on the screen. The Lord is pleased completely to restore all those he adopts to the inheritance of life. Do we have that quote there? The Lord is pleased completely to restore all those he adopts to the inheritance of life. That believers may attain to this, the restoration that God promises. God assigns the race of repentance to run during their whole life. God assigns to you the race of of repentance for you to run your whole life. The reformers, Martin Luther, John Calvin, those that followed them, would say that at the core of the Christian life is repentance. Now here's the good news. We run the race of repentance assured of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We run 
the race of repentance assured of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It is a race that God calls you to run, dear Christian. And if you're not a Christian, may I humbly and respectfully ask you to consider this. God is calling you to repent and believe in Jesus. Here's the good news. It's the race that he calls us to, and it's the race that we run according to his ability, not ours. So imagine this. When you start the race, you know you're the fastest one on the track. When you start the race, you know you're going to win because we run this race according to Christ's performance, and he has won the victory. But it's still a race we're called to run every single day. So we're going to take a look at what does that look like in your life? What does that look like for me to run this race of repentance according to his ability, not mine? And we run it with the assurance of forgiveness that we have in Christ if we are a Christian, if we have repented and believed in Jesus. So here's another question for you. Do you know the forgiveness of Christ this morning? Very specifically, not just in general, I'm going to heaven, but do you know the forgiveness of Christ about that thing you're thinking of right now? Do you, do you know the forgiveness of Christ in that area that you're saying, I have not been able to overcome? I get to hurdle number one in the race of repentance, and I hit it every time. And it hurts. If you've ever seen a hurdler hit a hurdle running full speed, It's not pretty. Do you know Christ's forgiveness right at that hurdle? See, God this morning is saying to us that when we're stuck, when we hit the hurdle, when we're tumbling on that track and it's scraping our elbows and scraping our knees and we're we're, we're in shame and we're looking up and everybody else is running down and there's just shame on us. And we feel defeated. He's saying, I have you. I've won the race. Trust me. One day you will be like me. Forever and ever sharing my glory. So get back up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep running the race. The race of what? Race of repentance. That God's called us to run with the assurance of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And because of those truths, this is what he's calling us to do this morning. On the screen, this is the main point of the message. Bless the Lord for his gift of repentance and forgiveness in Christ. Bless the Lord for his gift of repentance and forgiveness in Christ. When we hit that hurdle in the race of repentance and we're splattered out on the track, instead of getting, giving up, we get up and we bless the Lord for his gift of repentance and forgiveness. Let's take a look at what this means from our text. Point one, repentance and forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 51. If you don't have a Bible, again, may I respectfully ask you to look on with someone else. It's important that you see these words. So please look at the text now. Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. Here we have the record of King David at the height of his kingdom, at the height of his power. Think of a politician today 
who's at the height of their powers and at the height of their kingdom. They are the sovereign. Back then, there was no elections. He was the king. No one could speak to him. No one could bring him to court. There was no court of that day that could ever prosecute the king. He was the king. But what we know, the backstory to Psalm 51, is that this king had lusted after a woman in his heart, had committed adultery with this woman. The result was a pregnancy. And because he was trying to cover up the pregnancy and the adultery and all of that, he murdered her husband. And in 2 Samuel 12, you can read that later, God sends the gift of repentance to David in the form of his prophet, Nathan, much like God sends it to us in the form of preachers that preach God's word or reading God's word in the morning or sometimes our husband or our wife or our children or our friends or our neighbors. Someone comes to us and they said, have you considered this story about a man who stole a poor man's lamb and then murdered that man? And David rises up when he hears the story from Nathan. He says, Who is that man? He needs to be prosecuted right now. And Nathan looks him right in the eyes. He said, you are the man. And in that moment, the gift of repentance, David breaks down and the power of the Holy Spirit speaks to David's heart. And if you're not a Christian, I pray God would speak to you right now. You'd be convicted. I've sinned against God. Most of you are Christians. I pray God would speak to you these words right now, fresh and anew. So with that background, let's read Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Here's the highlight of this text. The gift of repentance depends on God's character, not yours. David appeals to God's character. He says, God, have mercy on me. I see my sin based on your steadfast love, a fancy way of saying God's covenant loyalty. That means God always keeps his word, steadfast love. It's that Hebrew word chesed, which is very important. And according to your abundant mercy, God, I come to you based on your character, based upon your performance, not mine. I'm a sinner. I'm in trouble. And I appeal to you. And because David understood and believed God's character, that he was loyal to his people and that he was a merciful God, that's how he revealed himself. Then it released David to be able to honestly share exactly what he'd done. Look at this in verses 3 through 6. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words. That's what repentance is. Just agreeing with God instead of arguing with him. And blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. It's interesting. God does not list David's sins here in Psalm 51. It very much is referring to what he did with Bathsheba and killing her husband. But he doesn't list the specific sins. You know why? Because this is meant for all of us down through the ages. This is a model for all of us. However we get there, when we realize our sin, and then we realize our Savior, how 
steadfast in love is he toward us. He chose you. He's, he's loyal to you because that's who he is. Not because that's who you are, because that's who he is. And he's merciful to you because that's who he is, not because you deserve it. And so David was able to open up and David was able to say, oh God, you know what I've done. And he confessed to God very, very, very clearly. What jumps out at you in this text though is that David says the following, against you and you alone have I sinned. Look at that in verse four. Put your fingers on it. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Though our sins have ramifications for people around us, David's sin had ramifications for the man he murdered, the woman with whom he committed adultery. God gives David the wisdom and us the wisdom that our sins are primarily against God. This is what brings sin and forgiveness and repentance and righteousness into sharp focus. It is, it is in relationship to God that you should be thinking right now. Yes, there are times to move toward acts of repentance and restoration. Absolutely. But we've got to start with, I've sinned against the holy God. I've sinned against the holy God. And now listen to what David does. David's going to preach the gospel to us in verses 7 to 9. David, who is a picture of Jesus Christ. David, who is the king, who is prophesied that his son, Jesus, will be on the throne forever and ever. David, who is that picture of Christ who will come to save us, references Christ in verses 7 to 9. Here is Jesus in the Psalms. Here is Jesus in the midst of my repentance. Here is Jesus, the hope of all the ages. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, that moment that occurred almost a thousand years later is the moment that David was referencing. The hope that David had was at that moment the sins of all those who trust in Christ, the elect of God, would be blotted out because they were placed on Jesus. You see, hyssop is this branch that was used to be dipped in the lamb's blood during Passover And on that first Passover, it was put on the doorposts of the homes of the Jewish people, the people of God, so that when God's judgment, the angel of death, came through the city, it did not kill them when they were in Egypt. And then God removed them from the slavery of Egypt and the slavery of Pharaoh, picture of the world and Satan, and brought them through the waters of the Red Sea, the waters of baptism, and took them through the desert, even though they were sinful people, and brought them into the promised land which is a picture of eternal life and living on the new heavens and new earth with God because of Christ so David's faith that God would forgive him was not based on David's actions but on God's actions it had a history he understood the Passover which occurred 500 years earlier And it also had faith in the future. He knew a savior was coming who was going to be a son, his son, the son of David, but who would be Lord of David because it would be Jesus. Didn't understand it fully. Looked dimly through the lens of the future, but had faith in that one and cried out to God. Do you, 
Now, I'm not just talking about for your salvation 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. Do you have that faith for that sin right now that you're that's bouncing around in your head or your heart? The blood of Jesus is sufficient. Sufficient. And it was out of that heart that he then prays what we've been singing. And I would like this text to be put on the screen. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. God does not cast us away from his presence if we are true believers because he cast Jesus away from his presence on the cross. He rejected Christ on the cross that he would accept us because of the cross. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. He gives us his Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, because of Christ's work, God the Son's work. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. How are you doing with the joy of your salvation this morning? I'm talking now to you, Christian. Where, where are you? Is it bumbling forth in your heart? Are you experiencing the joy of your salvation If you've never experienced it, then I would say, repent and believe. But if you have experienced it, but today it's not quite where it was, here's what God's grace speaks to you. Because of what Christ has done, because of the joys of repentance, the gift of repentance, the gift of forgiveness, God this morning wants to restore the joy of your salvation. I mean, like, for reals, as my kids used to say when they were little. Not just theologically, it's not less than that, but existentially not just in my head but in my heart the joy of your salvation the joy of your salvation and so david goes on in the rest of this psalm to speak of him then having had the joy of his salvation restored teaching sinners about god's grace but here's a question for you what do, what do the deeds of repentance look like? So we've just looked at repentance. We've just looked at forgiveness. But what does it look like to walk out your repentance? Well, I believe it looks like the second psalm we're going we're gonna to read just right now. I believe it looks like what King David, as an old man, penned in Psalm 103. Psalm 51, King David at the height of his powers, at the height of his vibrancy as the king. And now Psalm 103, King David as an old man. Gives us his heart. And here's his heart. His heart is, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Point two. So the deeds of repentance are that we bless the Lord. Now, I know they are specifically more than that, but they can't be less than that. Let me explain. Out of a heart that blesses the Lord for all his benefits comes then the details where I walk out my deeds of repentance, my deeds of stopping my lying, my deeds of confessing what I've done to my spouse, my deeds of going to my boss and said, listen, I wasn't exactly truthful on that last report. My deeds of calling back that customer service representative. And I'm speaking of personal experience. 
unless you think more of me than you should, fairly recent personal experience. Or even better, when I took my wife for our anniversary, we had a beautiful day and um, went to Biscaya, and then I took her out for a romantic lunch at Carabas, where I proceeded to get very angry at the waiter. There's nothing more romantic, guys, than getting angry at a waiter with your wife there at the table. I found that really does the trick. <laughs> and, all, and my wife was so gracious all the way home. And of course, I had very good reason to get angry with him. And uh, I, I drop her off at the house. We live fairly close. And I said, baby, it, God, I cannot let this stand. So I got back in my car and drove back to Carabas. <laughs> found him in the back. Now, as I walked up to him, I'm sure he was thinking, and he was kind of big, so I thought, ah, is this going to end badly? Am I going to be in the news? Am I going to need surgery? Um, And I just walked up to him and I said, I'm so sorry for being rude to you. You you didn't deserve that. And and there was a waitress was standing right next to him, and they both just went, And he said, no, 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 I th- you know, he said, no, you, you were fine. I said, no, I wasn't. I said, I was rude. I said, you don't deserve that. You serve people. The soup was lousy. I didn't say that. But, <laughs> that, <laughs> and, and, okay, so, by the way, that might be a prophetic word for somebody here. Where you lost your temper, you might need to go back this afternoon. But before we get there, we got to go to bless the Lord. Because, What we're going to see in Psalm 103, in fact, let's look at it just briefly, and then I'll I'll share, I think, what the Lord is saying to us here, is it begins with this command to bless the Lord. Look at it, Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then jump all the way down to verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, all his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So a tip for you to understand how to interpret the Bible. When you see two commands like that that act as bookends, you know that that's what everything in between is all about. So here's the point. He tells us how to do it. Then here's the point again, lest we forget it. So here's what I felt like the Lord shared with me this week. So when we walk in deeds of repentance, understanding the forgiveness of the Lord, our heart is a heart of blessing God rather than grumbling against God. So if you can see, there's two pictures here. There's the picture of someone who's blessing the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me, forgetting not all of his benefits. And there's the one who's saying, God, you didn't do this. God, you didn't do that. But Lord, I have been praying for this and why not? But Lord, how could this happen? But Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, how could you give me these, fill in the blank, children, spouse, (laughs) boss, neighbors, fill it in. And it's so subtle, isn't it? So, so again, true confessions. Last, last couple of weeks, man, I don't know what the deal is. I think it must be some allergy I have to something in the air. I just wrestled with just a dark 
grumbling, pouting heart. And sometimes not even knowing why. At one point, my wife looked at me. We were at somewhere. This is her thing. She goes like this. Because when I get like this, I just, I squint and I get intense. And I just, it's not pretty. And, I, and we both laughed. And I said, and I just whispered to her like you know, people around. I said, I don't even know why. I mean, I'm just like, just, ugh. right? Have you ever been there? Yeah. Right now. <laughs> well, that's good that the Lord's speaking to us. And so I just want to confess to you, here's my fight. When I'm sprawled out on the track, I'm sprawled out on the track. My, my elbows and knees are killing me because I just hit that hurdle and I'm down. The deed of repentance is, okay, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. So with that in mind, let's just look at it. Let's look at the verses, and then we'll celebrate communion together. So back to verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are the benefits? Here we go. Verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Think of an old king who is guilty of murder and adultery and should be dead. And this old king saying, bless you, Lord. I know the benefits. I'm still alive. You've healed me. You've blessed me. This kingdom is amazing. I have a son that will take over the throne. I have a promise of a son in all eternity that will always be on the throne. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's at this point, church, we have a choice to either grumble or be grateful. Write that down every day. When that waiter serves me whatever he serves me, and I don't think it was done right or it doesn't taste good, I can be grateful or grumble. I can still address the bad soup, but not do it with a bad attitude. When things happen or things don't happen, I've been praying for years. I've been working. I've been faithful, God. God, this is not fair. I'm not getting it, and she's getting it, and she doesn't deserve it. it just Am I going to be grateful or grumble? doesn't mean that I eject out of reality. It just means that I properly interpret reality through the lens of God's forgiveness of me. Of me. See, this is a deed of repentance. It's daily. I don't know about you. It's daily. It's daily. It's, it's the temptation not to get right on the bumper of the guy that cut me off. I know that sounds silly, but wait a second. Growing to be more like Jesus comes in little increments. It's just backing off and saying, all right, I don't like it, but I, I, don't, got, I don't have to ride his bumper. I certainly don't have to you know, get next to him and do sign language. It's little things. It's choosing to live a life that's always aware of God's benefits because God is good, because God's calling us to this. So let me see if I can illustrate that to you. In the midst of the chaos of this world, the grumbling and all the sin and the evil, there is this message that's out there right here by the Spirit that says, be grateful, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me. And here's the story that maybe it'll help you understand this. Um, Years ago when they had telegraphs, you know, the little things that 
tap out telegraphs. Uh, there were seven or eight people that applied for this job with the telegraph company. They came in. Office was noisy. It was a crazy time. All kinds of stuff going on. They got an application. They filled it out. They sat in the waiting room. They're all looking at each other. And then all of a sudden, one young man stands up and walks in to the office. The other ones think, wow, that guy's bold. And then they were thinking, he's going to get rebuked and he'll get thrown out of here. Great. One less person we have to compete with. In a few minutes, the boss comes out with his arm around this gentleman. He says, hey, thank you all very much for coming, but the job has been fulfilled by this young man. The other applicants obviously said, oh, excuse me. That's not fair. You never even spoke to us. He, in fact, he was the last one to come in. The employer responded, I'm sorry, but all the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did, so the job is his. In the noisiness of this world, there is a far greater telegraph typing out God's truth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he's calling us to hear it in the midst of our own grumbling and the temptations to grumble, in the midst of this world that's chaotic. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's forgiven us, church. He heals us of the wound that is fatal, and that's sin. He protects us, church. We see that in verses 4 through 9. And he does this because of his character. His character guarantees it, not mine. He is merciful. And he promises to be faithful to his covenant with us in Christ. A covenant that we're about to participate in with a visible symbol that God has given us. And that symbol, church, is communion just want to read to you verses 14 and 19, and ushers, you can begin to take your place. Psalm 103, verses 14 and 19. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Look at verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Yes, there are deeds of repentance. Yes, God's going to give us the grace to obey him, to treat people rightly, to love God and love our neighbor. He's going to help us to walk out that beautiful commandment of love. But it's based on his righteousness, his character, his steadfast love that says it's from everlasting to everlasting. And I just say to you parents, even children that are suffering right now or children that that are wayward right now, and I'm even saying this over children of people that used to be in this church, and I just feel from the Lord that God is faithful to his covenant. God will keep his people from their children to their children's children. And to those, those of you with young children, God will keep them. And those of you who are pregnant awaiting a child god will keep that child in your womb and those that are hoping and praying for a child god will bless you because he's faithful to his covenant from everlasting to everlasting in christ verse 19 the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all there is none 
that can overrule God's judgments. Therefore, let us bless the Lord. Let us bless the Lord, church. Let us bless the Lord. So we're going to do that right now through communion. And I want to prepare our hearts for it. I don't want to rush into this, purposely curtailed the sermon a little bit, that we could spend plenty of time here. So please don't rush through this. Don't, don't disengage right now with your mind. This isn't the closing act. This is the main act. This is it. This is what Jesus commanded us to celebrate on the screen. Matthew 26, 27. Matthew 26, 27, the night that Jesus was betrayed and he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you. What is that cup? Mark 14, 23 on the bottom part of that slide. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. What does it mean he gave thanks? And then the next slide, Luke twenty two nineteen, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What you see here in these three texts, giving us the history of what we're about to celebrate, which began with our Lord Jesus Christ commanding us to do it at the Last Supper on the night before he was crucified so that we might be forgiven. He gave thanks, that word thanks is the Greek word eucharisteo. Many of you recognize that word, eucharisteo. We get the word eucharist from it. It simply means to give thanks. It is the word that the Apostle Paul used 25, 30 years later when he writes the church in Corinth. Now the church has grown from Jerusalem, from an upper room with 120 scared disciples to now literally thousands and thousands throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and now over into modern-day Greece, Corinth. And the Apostle Paul writes to them. But before I read this extended passage from 1 Corinthians 11, let me just say this to you. What I want to do is be gracious to you if you're not a Christian, but I also want to honor my Lord Because what the Lord would say is, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, then what we're about to celebrate, not sure you can move down to the front, these elements that will be distributed, they're not for you yet. And I say that in faith. These elements right here represent the body and the blood of Jesus. And they are for those who God has given the gift of repentance and forgiveness to. So I I ask you respectfully, don't receive them if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian. But as they go by, let them speak to you. And let this text speak to you. On the screen, 1 Corinthians, now Paul echoing Jesus' words. Chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, Eucharisteo, And broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we're doing it in remembrance of you. So grateful for what you did for us. Verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the the Lord's death until he comes. So therefore, if you don't trust in Christ, don't do it because you're not proclaiming truth for you. 
That, that's all it means. But it also means that if you're here, God's speaking to you. So respond to that. The way you can respond to that is speak to one of us, Corey, me, David, whomever, or to the person that brought you and ask about this repenting and believing in Jesus. Verse 24, 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So, what we're going to do, I'm going to pray. This is the, the moment to examine your heart, church. Not in a selfish, self-centered way. That's introspection, which isn't helpful. But let God give you the gift of repentance that always leads to God. Remember? Against you and you alone I have sinned, O Lord. And then give you the, 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 the joy of experiencing that forgiveness, even in those areas that you keep hitting, those hurdles you keep hitting, and the faith that one day you will make that hurdle, and that God is your strength, and Jesus is your righteousness, and you have this hope based on his performance, not yours. He's the fastest one on the track. He's won the victory, and he's promised to share that with you. So let me pray. Band's going to play softly behind me. Let this be... A holy moment, church. Holy moment. It's about you and God. So let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to repent and believe and be forgiven this morning. Lord, not just to understand it intellectually, but to experience it emotionally. Lord, thank you for the theology of it. Now we want to experience the reality of it in our hearts and minds. For those that are wrestling with besetting sins, things they just can't stop doing, or perhaps, th- perhaps things that they know they should do that they can't start doing. Give them a joy. Restore to them the joy of their salvation that leads to repentance, that leads to grace. Oh God, bring joy on this church because of Christ, your suffering, your resurrection, your ascension. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, would you serve us? Please quietly reflect. As it says in this text, think through, examine yourself in the light of the gospel. You can just play softly, guys.